We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Friday night after game six of the Wolves Grizzlies series. Timberwolf season is over. They lose to the Grizzlies. Final score Grizzlies 114, Wolves 106. I'm joined by Kyle Tyge, Kanasupas.com. Kyle to reflect on tonight, but I think more so reflect on on this season and what the Minnesota Timberwolves were able to do this year, uh, what they weren't able to do in this series. And yeah, just kind of take it in. I don't think this is a time to <laughs> break down the the pick and roll coverage or the the shooting percentages necessarily, but to to reflect on a season that the that I don't think many of us saw playing out this way, a 46 win team, a team that made the playoffs, a team that finished the season, the regular season, extremely strong and and gave the Grizzlies, you know, pretty much everything they could handle. Where are you, Kyle Tyge, in your head after this one? Well, just thinking on the way here, um, obviously my highs are high and my lows are still pretty high because you have to <laughs> you have to kind of follow that that strategy being a Timberwolves fan. Um, but like you said, I don't, I don't think we're going to break down X's and O's. I don't think we're going to talk about ATOs and a bunch of shit that happened in that game. I just think it was, uh, would have been nice if there was a better ATO for that Carl shot at the end of the game, but whatever. Yeah. Anyways, it, it just, uh, I, 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 I sit here in Dane's apartment that is messy as hell. And just kind of like, I, I, I really felt pretty confident about that one. I really did. I mean, I felt pretty confident because you had to feel confident because they pretty much outplayed the Grizzlies for 80% of that series, you know? Um, and I think, and I can get into it, we can get into it, whatever, like about that Wednesday morning where we got the, the notification about Gerson Rosas being fired back in the fall and everything that transpired and you and I going to media day together and just it all coming to this moment. Um, but I think it stings. I think it stings because after everything that happened and after all the house money, there there was some meat on the bone, right? Like there was still some like, holy shit, like 
this team actually could have won a first round playoff series. Like who knows how they would have faced against the Warriors. But I think the meat on the bone concept for me is the big one. It's like, man, you know, still a great season, still a really bright future. Uh, there's a lot of, as, as Carl said for the first time in seven years that he's been here, like the pieces are starting to fall into place more. Um, but they definitely left something out there. Um, and does that mean that the roster needs to be changed or they got to make some, you know, they got to add some stuff, some tracks of stuff. That's, that's where you come in. That's where we subscribe to your Patreon for this summer. But, um, yeah, it's tough. It was a tough loss because I, I, I think a lot of people, 19,000 people tonight thought this one was going to go seven. Yeah. I, 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 and it looked like it, right. I, they, it's funny because this game played out so similarly to, to other games in this series where, I mean, you, you look at outside of game two, the Wolves were the team that, that punched first in these games. They established leads again tonight. They established uh, a lead in the first quarter, got up to 13, I believe, in the in the third quarter. And it, it was kind of the, the same arc, which is that of a young, talented team that can score at will when they're, sc- when, when they're rolling offensively. They're a team defensively that can turn you over get out and transition, but they're also a team that is very susceptible to, to turning the ball over themselves, to getting beat up on the glass, and to having their fourth quarter late game offense stagnate. And as we're all kind of learning the experience of you know covering a playoff team or watching a playoff team and, and, and what they are, I'm going to take away, as the Wolves are in the playoffs next year or in the future, that a lot of times your strengths and your weaknesses in the regular season, you know, they carry over, right? And and that's that's what we saw in this series. And we knew since media day that the weaknesses that this team has were the weaknesses. It was a roster that was put together not to be able to handle a team like the Memphis Grizzlies, who who kills who kills you on the glass. Um, and it was a roster that we knew coming into the season needed to find a way to effectively navigate fourth quarter offense between your three very high usage um, players in in Carl D'Angelo and Ant. And I think if there's a disappointment for me in in, in all of that, the biggest one is that they never figured out that last part of how to figure out how to execute and be the better team in in the fourth quarter when you have Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards. And like, it's going to be real, like, that threesome doesn't really work. It doesn't really work in those situations. Um, that doesn't mean that all three of those guys, I, I think we saw during the year, all three of those guys can individually be that dude, right? Um, but together, they are not greater than the sum of their parts in the fourth quarter. And uh, that's disappointing, but it's it's also okay because the main guy is becoming Anthony Edwards and how do we not feel confident that he's only going to, you know, build on this going forward? Yeah. It was kind of like the movie. I am legend to me. Um, not to, not to put Will Smith's name in my mouth, but, uh, this season was a really good movie with a bad ending, right? <laughs> like they just, again, going back to the meat on the bone thing, um, or going back to what you said about how, like, you know, this team's strength and this team's weaknesses, I just think back to like anyone who's probably listening to this is a Timberwolves fan and a nerd like us. And like a Tuesday game in January when it's cold as hell and the Wolves have a lead and then they're 
late game execution is just ass and then they blow the lead and they lose or they kind of stumble to the finish line. Um, we're the only ones that saw that. Like, we're the only ones that watched it. You know what I mean? Because, like, but that facts. Tuesday yeah. in January, there was 12 other games on and you could go all around NBA Twitter, League Pass, or whatever. Like, so you just kind of like, okay, we got through that. We hide it. We go to the next day and we move on. Um, the beauty of the NBA playoffs and the thing that you and I have been preaching about all we want is just not just the playing game, but just give me a series. Give me a series. Give me six games. Is because the microscope really turns on and examines like your strengths and your weaknesses. I mean, the Timberwolves Grizzlies were the only game on TV tonight. There's no game on Saturday. So like the fall or the, you know, the carryover and the fallout from all that stuff is going to be analyzed on Saturday and all that stuff. It's just, you got to learn tonight. And this is why at some point, as I'm staring down the barrel of these two Bud Lights, I'm going to crack the other one. Like tonight was real painful and sucks. But the storylines that came out of this and that microscope analogy are like, it's movie. I mean, how do you, how do you not take away the most defeated moment of this season and also talk about Anthony Edwards leading the team in scoring and just being like, I'm that dude. Jane McDaniel's having a career high, 24 points in that same game. And D'Angelo Russell not closing out the game in the final five minutes. Like Finch just saying, Sorry, Dane's mom. I'm like, fuck it. Jordan McLaughlin, you're in. Like, those are two crazy storylines and two crazy ups and downs to enter this offseason with as this team now looks to build off of, like, it's kind of like if you're in an elevator uh, at the Tower of Terror, let's just say, and that thing just goes up and it drops you down. It goes up and it drops you down. It goes up and drops you down. That's, that's not an elevator, is. but yeah. But it's like, it, it, it's designed like an elevator at the Tower of Terror. Um, the Wolves had no, they just had no floor. They just would always go up and then go down, go up and go down. It's like they finally now got to go up and get off on a new higher floor that they can finally build something off of. And that was led tonight by the two studs of the 2020 NBA draft. I mean, that was, they did their post game together. They complement each other. They seem like they're truly like brothers. Um, and that'll be one of the biggest things after this pain heals and Chicks dig scars. Like, that's the one thing you'll think about all summer is that the future of this team was on display tonight. Yeah, they haven't, they haven't, um, Chris Finch specifically has not dodged the the concept that this is step one, right? And, yeah, and I think a yeah. lot of coaches, you know, are hyper focused on the now and the this series and this game, but like, even, in the last couple days after practice when Finch talks and this is that he he's it's not that they're they weren't dialed in on this series and desperate to win it I, I think they wanted that desperately but they have the big picture in mind and and I do think you leave this game being like this idealized big picture right where Ant and Jaden you know get on the elevator right and and grow with this with this group uh, that's a, that's extremely encouraging because that's the internal growth that this that this team can have. Plus, you know, they got some other young guys who could maybe more on the margins on the bench, you know, internally grow. And even with guys like Cat and D'Lo, you you can't say with a bullet that they are who they are. Uh, as Finch said after the game, you know, they're entering their primes at this time or or still have prime left in them. And then 
if you have aspirations of like not having this hurt again or, or or growing beyond it, this team has a great chance to improve itself from a roster construction standpoint. So they aren't entering a series where it's like, okay, here's three obvious weaknesses that our opponent is going to try and exploit. They can get a power forward this summer. There are ample avenues to be able to do that. They can, you know, make changes to the roster to be able to have more perimeter defenders so they can be a team like the other teams in the playoffs who switch everything. They don't they don't have that ability right now, right? Like again, something that Chris Finch said after this. So so yes, of course, I I hope it goes without saying that this is 100% only the beginning of of whatever the Timberwolves are are going to come and that's not, you know, that's not going to be easy. Like look at the New York Knicks last year, you know, this little Cinderella team exceeds expectations. The Atlanta Hawks were that too. I think we saw both of those teams regress. That's the challenge, right? Is to not be that. And and to have that internal de- development in your roster and to add to your roster so that you are a team that wins more than 46 games next season. You are a team that's maybe c- competing to host a playoff series along those lines. Like it's time to it's time to grow. Yeah, and I I should a caveat to you know my never-ending optimism, which I think, at, for once, my optimism is baked in something that's sustainable and seems like you could really invest in it. Um, but I always bring this up on your pod or just when I'm talking to people, that years ago in the NBA Finals when the Heat beat the Thunder, and there was this image on the sideline as the Heat were about to clinch it of Durant, Harden, and Westbrook all standing with their arms around each other. I just remember whoever was calling the game was like, look at that trio they're going to be around for a really long time and they're going to be a problem for the league. And then Harden was traded like six weeks later. You know what I mean? So it's like to that Knicks comp or to that Hawks comp, like, yeah, there is no, it's not just linear. Like it's not just, okay, so they won how like 46 games. So then you multiply it by Ant being able to legally drink and now they're going to win 58 games. Like that's not how this shit works. But the one thing that I don't think gets talked about enough is that this was, I mean, Pat Bev, Flowers to him. We've credited him all year with changing the culture. This was pretty much the exact same team that Finch rolled out when he got here, right? Like, other than Pat Bev, I mean, a little Torian Prince, but it's just like, they didn't have draft picks in 2020. They have draft picks this year. Or 2021, they have draft picks in 2022. They didn't sign anyone. They just signed Vando and J-Mac. Like, Finch really just made a lot of meals out of very few ingredients and just internally develop those guys. And I think the reason you'd be excited now this summer is because I'm sure Finch is going to get those guys going again. Like you're going to have more internal development. Jaden talked about after the game, how he wants to like be more aggressive offensively, but you finally have like options, right? Like you have money to go buy more ingredients, whether that be a young kid in the draft or using the mid-level or making a, you know, a, a sizable trade to bring in someone to shake up your roster a little bit. So that's why I think this seems, and I said this too, like I think all those all those guys flew home together after game five. That's a big step for this team compared to the last time they're in the playoffs. Like I think, again, tonight sucks. If you listen to this on Saturday, it sucks. It stings because if they would have been swept in four, you would have looked at this and like, holy shit, they have a long way to go. And I don't think they have a long way to go to catch some of these teams. And that actually sucks because it's like, you really left something on the table. Yeah, you did. Um, 
But you go back to the idea that changes can be made that get you to that spot. I don't think any of us reasonably expected a ton out of this season or even a ton out of this, you know, series. They they achieved that. And I mean, like you said, there's going to be ample time to, to start going down the what are the changes to the roster and to the way the team plays too. Like those are those are two big things that they're going to navigate this summer. And sometimes those are hard conversations. Um, There's going to be a lot of D'Angelo Russell talk. Like, let's just be real. Um, I I haven't personally done like enough research into that of what that, like even the opportunity cost of a move or keeping him, you know, would be, but, but these are the questions that you have when you are a good team. Right. Right. Yeah. Good yeah. teams don't stop changing their roster. Right. Good teams don't stop evolving. And and, you know, and that could be obviously D'Lo is is one of the is a is a frustrating character in the story right now in, in this moment. But it, it goes it's it's bigger than that. It, there, there's there's other guys on, on the roster, too, who, you know, have been um, like D'Angelo up and down, you know, a Malik Beasley. What's you know, what's his future? with this team what's the what's the future role of jared vanderbilt is jordan mclaughlin going to be a 25 minute a game guy next year there there's a whole bunch of different pieces to this puzzle that are like that fit in a couple different ways so i guess it isn't even like a puzzle piece right there's there's a lot of different ways that sashin gupta if he is the one making those decisions this summer which is a very important thing that they need to figure out now um they need to they need to solve the puzzle because you have an opportunity to be a really good, go from being a good team to a really good team. You have Anthony Edwards, who is arrow pointing way up. And you have Carl Anthony Towns, who is a hell of a player who, you know, you hope learn from this playoff experience too, continues to grow on, on who he could be. But there are, it's time to start talking about changes. Um, and not because the season was a letdown, right? We, we talked about changes after 2017-18 out of necessity because, like, that that wasn't going to last. This is These are changes to come because um, they're necessary in growth in, in the NBA. It's a necessary thing in professional sports to, to continue to evolve, right? Everything you said was true. I was just thinking about Wordle. Um, I don't know if you play, but, like, if you, if anyone was playing Wordle right now, you just take a guess at five letters, and if you totally fuck it up, it's just five gray letters across the board, and then you have to guess a brand new word with five completely new letters. Um, and if you get one kind of the right, or you get one of the letters correct, but it's not in the right spot, it's yellow and green. The whole analogy of that is, is that rebuilding teams sometimes just have to constantly change the five letters they throw out on I the. I mean, court. that's what this team has had to do. Right. So they just have to. They went Outside from of Carl. They yeah. went from Flash to voice, to some other word that doesn't have any of those letters in it. And now it's kind of like, okay, I know the I know the word starts with A, like Anthony Edwards, right? Like we know that. We know that there's a J in there for Jaden. I have no idea what fucking word I'm about to spell. But like we know now some of the word, letters that are in this wordle puzzle, and that's adjunct. That might be six. But anyway, like yeah. the, the, the point of this is, is that they're for the first, you know, like I've, I've been preaching this and it, I'm sorry to my friends down in California, but like they're not the Kings right now. Like you're not the thun. Like you actually now have that sixth floor that you can get out of the elevator. 
But yeah, dude, you're still 30 floors from the top. And that's kind of some of the stuff you learned in this series and you've learned throughout the season. But And it's kind of fun. Yeah, and it is. I mean, that that's my thing is like we don't have to go. I don't even know if Tankathon is a website right now. Like that's awesome because it's May 1st on Sunday. Like it, by the time you listen to this, tomorrow's May. That's awesome. Like I have no idea who's in this draft um, because you finally have some cornerstones. And again, Anthony Edwards, like just boil it down. Game six, Anthony Edwards was the best player on a professional basketball court in the only game in the country. Like that's pretty big because he's 20. And his sidekick and those two dudes seem to really love each other, had a career high night. And without him, I mean, they might have gotten run off the floor. I mean, not to dive into the game, but that first quarter when Bain was hitting three after three after three, Desmond Bain, by the way, who was, you know, looked over for Jaden McDaniels. I mean, Jaden was drafted before him. Um, Jaden went step for step with Desmond Bain. And Desmond Bain has been probably their most reliable player all series. So I thought that was just a big night for those two. Um, a disappointing night, like you said, for some other guys. But, you know, credit where credit's due. You got to give those guys flowers too because I, was it, it wasn't a good D-Lo series. <laughs> no, Finch, Chris Finch, Finch said that. Chris Finch said that. He, 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 he said it wasn't. But... That that dude had a big role in helping get this team to where they got. Um, I would he, agree with that. He he definitely, I think he averaged twelve points a game in the series. Like that's just not good enough. I don't think he was proud of it. But I also think too that we can't forget, you know the the mentorship and kind of the stuff he did for those young guys. Regardless of what you listening think about him or I think about him, the young guys love that dude. So I think that's all true, Kyle. But. But this is a time to say that D'Angelo Russell got exposed in the 100%. playoffs against a team. Let me finish. He got exposed against a team that there was no hiding spot mm-hmm. defensively. Mm-hmm. And it's like hiding spot has a negative connotation. He's actually good in the hiding spot. He's good in that free safety role. But that only existed when Kyle Anderson was on the floor in this series. And that's not that many minutes. And offensively, he struggled because it was a team who has five players at least for, I mean, Ja, who they're going to avoid guarding D'Lo with. But for the most part, he had very difficult matchups to go through offensively. And so we learned in this series with D'Angelo Russell, kind of like it goes back to the regular season stuff. When we saw the Wolves play teams like this in the regular season, it was harder for D'Angelo Russell. And the hope going into this series was that, all right, lights are on. You got to guard, guard. You got to score, even if Dylan Brooks, a good defender, is on you, score. And he did not do that. And that doesn't take away from his regular season. But you're a playoff team now. You're a playoff team now. You're on You're on a max contract on a playoff team. 12 points isn't going to cut it. I like watching D'Angelo Russell play basketball, actually. I think he's... I think w- watching him play cerebral, cerebral basketball is very fun, but when we are talking about building a team to continue to grow, you have to have serious concerns about how he fits in a playoff series, particularly within the context of this team because he was subtraction by subtraction in this series. And and it was kind of capped off fittingly by getting pulled out of the game late for, for Jordan McLaughlin because that was objectively the right decision if you if you watch this series. So I don't know. The the D experience is the wild thing. 
um, it's hard. Uh, and he can and, and should be held accountable not only for tonight, but but for this series. And and that's okay. Now it's on it's decision time. That's not. I mean, I can have opinions on that. You can have opinions on that. But let's not pretend it's not a not you. But let's not pretend this isn't a conversation that that has to be had. Are you finished? <laughs> I think so. No, I, my, my whole point was my North Dakota nice was just being like credit to where credits due of people that helped get them to this point and helped lay some of those first bricks in that foundation. I mean, D'Angelo Russell was half of the equation of why they got through that playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's also not under any circumstances whatsoever think that I'm just I have- saying if we're about to blast Carl for for the playing game for the games that he did 100%. this like. I don't Those have guys burners. both make thirty million. Yeah, yeah, I don't have deal burners. I think I wanted to get to the point of like, again, as someone who is just all about like narratives and fanalytics and all that stuff. Like, it was so poetic. Delo had two like brutal turnovers in the middle of the fourth quarter. I think Tyus just stripped him one. A couple plays later, he tried to like throw this weird bounce pass to Carl, and it got just picked off. And you looked at Finch, and Finch like it was a really if you believe that this is all a movie and this is all some master plan, like it really was like something that we're going to reference in like June, July, August, October, 2023 of like, at that moment, Finch just said, he immediately pivoted as soon as that ball was turned over, like looking at the floor, turned around and screamed J Mac. As soon as that turnover was made. And, and that's, it was a bad play at the 524 mark. They were down three. Um, and that was it. That was it for him. And I mean, it was super telling that like, even when they were down six with like, I don't know, a dozen seconds left and they needed a three, he didn't even put him back in. You know what I mean? And like, that's the type of stuff too. That, like if you were watching any other team, you'd be like, holy shit, that's a pretty big storyline for that franchise entering this season. And uh, to be honest, I know you might want to get into like some of the Carl stuff and like extend like all that. But like, I think you know what you're going to get from Ant and Jaden. I mean, those two kids came to the, the post-game presser and looked like if they had the opportunity, they would have gone straight across the street and got shots up. Like, they looked like they were ready to just, like, get a workout in. And that's all you can hope for from the two youngest pieces of your foundation. The number one storyline moving forward this summer will be D'Angelo Russell. It's not, I mean, is it anything? I mean, I guess you can say who's going to be making that call, Sasha or someone else. Like, that's number one, but... The D'Angelo Russell piece of this whole puzzle is the number one storyline as we move into the if it ever gets warm here. <laughs> it is. Uh, we'll be back with Kyle after a quick break here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back with Kyle Teige, CanisHoopis.com. Uh, reflecting on the season, reflecting on on game six, the final game of this playoff series. And, and Kyle, you kind of alluded to it right before the break. Um, one of the other biggest, I guess, financial questions or contract questions is Carl Anthony Towns, who is, um, if he makes an all NBA team, which I think is the assumption, he will he will be eligible to sign a four year $200 million extension on top of the two years he has remaining on, on his contract. Uh, I asked Carl about that after the game, framed it in the way of, you know, Pat Bev has already signed an extension uh, this morning at shoot-around when Torian Prince spoke. He said he plans on being back here on Minnesota next season. Uh, this is a team that uh, I think plans on having on having continuity. And, you know, even if Carl were to sign the extension, you know, he'd be, you know, he's on the books for the next two years. Like, is it going anywhere? But that's a, that's obviously a huge looming detail um, in in the future of this team is is locking up a player who you know two hundred million dollars sounds like a ton it is a ton of money but that's um, that's quite frankly what players uh, lower than Carl's caliber are making or or will make in the future so it's a it's a big deal and and Carl was uh, he was noncommittal to to that and and you know and and I think part of that was he he is only eligible for that extension at that rate if he does make All-NBA. So I understand some of the his, you know, let's cross that bridge when we get there um, response. But that that was the response. That wasn't what Zion Williamson said when he was asked that 24 hours ago. He said he'd, he'd sign it right away. Different spot in in their careers and the money and the, the framing of the contract. But um, I don't know if I expected something different from Carl, but it's a, it was an interesting answer. No, it was a fantastic question by you. And I was thinking about the Zion thing. Um, and you probably worded it in a more professional way than like maybe it was worded to Zion. It was kind of like for Zion when I was listening to that clip earlier today, it was like, hey, if there's a bag of money on the table, are you going to grab it? And he was like, hell yeah. Um, I like I was in the room. I read the quote that you posted after like it. I, it seemed like one of those moments where Carl kind of just said nothing <laughs> in my mind um, because everything before that was answering questions that were pretty like vague and just simple and going out of his way to talk about like this is the first time I've really felt like it's sustainable. Like there's a bunch of pieces. Oh, he here. lauded the whole franchise yeah. and his teammates and all of that. I mean, so that's probably the bigger takeaway. It's, it's probably a more um, illuminating response than the non-committal response he gave when asked specifically about the extension but he was asked specifically about yeah. the extension that's what he said so yeah, yeah. and i mean he, he had a really cool moment like after the game where he like i mean he was pretty he's an emotional guy him and ant are just wired obviously very differently they handled their post game very differently um but carl like very much wanted to be you know, stayed last guy off the court thanked the fans they gave him a standing i mean it was a really cool moment and then everything he said after the game was pretty cool but yeah i mean i think there might still be a little I don't even know what I don't want to say hesitation or whatever, but it's just uh, if we're calling a spade a spade, you pretty much just said like if there's this contract on the table, instead of saying I'm going to sign it, he was like, "We'll get to that when we get to that." So if that's just Carl's way of answering the question, 
then that's what it is. Or, you know, another storyline to monitor as we move forward. And you know what? What I was thinking in that, too, is there are other like ways that Carl can extend without doing that. You know, I, I think it would it would make sense to want to be patient, too. Like, just because that bag yeah. of money's on the table this summer doesn't mean it won't be yeah. the next summer. You know, you can wait. Um, maybe maybe you would want to do the kind of LeBron thing, right? Sign one plus ones or some, you know, something like that, that would pro- in his situation would would cost him a little bit of money, you know, annually uh, in, in that sort of way. But that would be a defendable position to have as well and, and, and understandable of what he did say in his answers. I've learned in my six or now seven years here that, you know, a lot of stuff can happen and, and changes can be made. And I think I would want, if, if it were me in that situation, you know, I would want to understand what the security is of the situation. Like we've said numerous times here, we don't really know who the owners are. We don't really know who the GM is. We've kind of got it figured out that um, Finch is the coach long-term. Uh, Carl is the current best player and Ant is the next is going to become the next best player. That's a lot of question marks out there. So good question marks, I think, but I, I understand. Um, I would understand if that's ultimately the the path he does take but i do think for wolves fans the path you want is all nba you want to lock him into that and then you have you know a top 15 player in the nba on your team on the books for for the next six seasons that's that's a big deal yeah and again i'm not putting any words in his mouth i have a belief of what will happen with that entire situation but um back to the zion i mean the zion thing he didn't answer like zion but he also like isn't in the same shoes as Zion. You know, Zion is just like, I haven't played basketball in forever. I haven't really been paid. Um, if you put 200, you know, $200 million in front of me, I'm going to take it right away. Carl seemed like he'd kind of understood the business of the league a little more. It was just like, you know what? Like, those are probably one of those moments where you just don't really want them to say much. You know, just like be like, the yeah. dude just played a really tough series. He was, he had flaws that again, kind of like D'Angelo Russell, to a lesser extent, like, were put on display. Maybe that was his actions. Maybe that was his following. Maybe that was some of his kind of hoops IQ stuff. But um, he also like balled out for them. I mean, go look at like his averages for these six games. Like he was really, really good. Still has things he can do in his game to get better. But I think that's just Carl. Right? I wouldn't say Carl's series was very, very good. Go on. I, I mean, I think there was. Oh, like, okay. Take, a, take a one of the games out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think Carl played very well tonight. No, I didn't think he played very well tonight. I didn't know if we were going to get into that. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. I. It's a. It can be a no-brainer to sign Carl Anthony Towns to that contract extension, while also acknowledging that you have to get more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. That's that's all I'm saying. Like, he was shot six of nineteen from the field tonight. Six of sixteen from two-point range. Um, that's not the D'Angelo Russell level of uh of a letdown in this game but they needed they needed more from him too and and i think like we talk about oh man these playoffs are so valuable for ant and i i do that um i think you can make a case that it was close to as valuable for carl too this was extremely different an extremely different role and position on the team than he had in 2017-18 
did he learn from that series? Some sure, but I don't know. In my mind, that that playoff series specifically related to Carl and now feel a little apples and oranges to me um, because he's the dude on this team right right now. And, and he, he was th- through the entire season. He wasn't necessarily that. And um, to advance, like you said, you need more. And I actually do believe that if the Wolves go to the playoffs next season, that Carl Anthony Towns will have a better playoffs because of this experience. And, um, but which, which was why it was always weird to hear some of the stuff about how, like, in these fourth quarter collapses, um, and there were many of them, as Chris Finch said, uh, like that people would say, or I guess I would maybe more so want your opinion on it, like, would be like, well, guys like Russell and Towns should know. Like they've been in the league a while, but I just kept being like, yeah, but like they haven't really played any meaningful basketball. You know what I mean? Like uh, Carl had pretty, I mean, yeah, those five games against the Rockets. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns had pretty much the same level of playoff experience as Anthony Edwards did. I mean, pretty, right. Pretty much Um, five whole extra games. And I think Ants just wired in a different way that he was just, he didn't need all those extra reps or those handful reps. So I, I'm, I thought Carl had it. Okay. I thought he had a good series because he was, And I did too. I just don't think he had a, a great yeah. series. That, and, that's all I, I was clear. I don't think under any circumstances, this is why this is all, if we're just going to pivot in and just go state of the franchise, like this is why tonight is sad and Saturday is sad and Monday's maybe, you know, you reflective and you are like, this was a really good season. Um, but it's not like you're one of the trash teams in the league anymore. Like I, going back to the world thing. For sure. This team has something they haven't had in like pretty much 18 years. And that's expectations. And with expectations comes more pressure and more responsibility and all that stuff. And that's why it's like, yeah, I don't under no circumstances. Am I like, I mean, I'm looking back at this season as one of the most fun seasons I've ever had as a Wolves fan, but the future is going to be like kind of fucking scary. Like there's a lot to figure out, like who's getting paid, who's going to be here. Who has to get better? Because like you said, Cat getting All-NBA, securing this massive, massive payday isn't just like a banner-worthy moment. Like, you need to then be even better. Like, because now you're going to be in this payroll of guys that's like, you have to be a top 15 player every year. It can't just right. be one year of the seven years in your career. So, um, it's, but that's exciting though. Like, I don't... I don't. Yeah, I, I actually think... I actually think it's absolute like, you know, I, I think some people have like like serious frustration with Carl and fatigue. I think that's completely misplaced. Um, I think it's an absolute no brainer to to sign Carl Anthony Towns to to this deal and to go in next season when he with him clearly being your best player. I think that's a I think that's a good thing to have because you know what they'll probably have next year is a better situation for him where every time he gets posts up he's probably not going to get double teamed if they adjust the roster and i think carl anthony towns will have a better regular season next year than he did like he has things he can add to his game man it's like i always find myself like watching carl and i have to like check myself sometimes because i'm like man i feel like i'm critiquing more things than i'm you know praising and that's kind of silly because there's so much to praise he's a He's a unique and dominant player in the league. But I think the critique comes because 
it, you don't have to have a basketball PhD to be like, wait a minute, this is like two or three adjustments away from being like intensely special. Like I'd said, I'd said 15 before top 15 player there. Cat can easily be a top 10 player in this league. Like there yeah. is, there is substantial upside in, in who he can become as a basketball player based on the way you use him and on the way he uses himself. He left meat on the bone, right? Right. And and so, yeah, I just want to make it clear, like absolute no-brainer in my mind. Um, I will not be, uh, you know, fanning any of the trade cat stuff like that. This isn't 2K. <laughs> I mean, this is this is what you do and you grow. You know, you 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 continue to grow. We are not at a point with Carl Anthony Towns where it's remotely logical to be like, hey, time to make a change. What's your suggestion for the change? You want to rebuild around Ant and Jaden? That's what your suggestion is? Well, enjoy 26 wins again. Like, that's what it is. We got to keep growing. Like, maybe not linearly, but progressively. And... Carl is the biggest factor in that because Ant is not a known. Ver- we don't even know what direction that thing's moving. Like it's moving up, but it's gonna be it's gonna still be all over the place for a while. He's only gonna be twenty one next year. He's only gonna be twenty four in four years. That's still so young. Like there's cat has to be here with him for that. That will help Ant. They they have to be tied together. Yeah, they have to. And I mean, the, the, at least for now, the thing as we as we've all watched this before, like I don't think Anthony Edwards. I mean, he played really, really well. Like tonight again, he had probably his best game of his career when it mattered the most in terms of a postseason spot and uh, elimination game. But you know, it didn't even seem surprising. That's the coolest part. And and but he even acknowledged it after the game too. Like we just talked about how it's not like the end of the marathon to just pay cat right. You got to get more from him. Um, we've seen this, how this works now. Ant has to be even better next year, right? Like he can't come into the playoffs again and get bounced in the first round in 2023. Or that's where you start to get the, is he in a, is he in a too small of a market? Is he on the right? T- like, is he a winning player? Like that type of stuff happens. So all these guys across the board, Finch himself too, like, have to make improvements, but I thought it was really cool because after the game and after he congratulated Jaden, like he just talked about again that analogy of going across the street and getting up shots. Like he seemed like he's ready to start working on his game tomorrow, uh, and I think that's a really good sign because, like you said, it's it's kind of a two tiered foundation moving forward. You got to have Cat and you got to have Ant, and you need them both to play even better because. They played well at certain points throughout this postseason, and what and it wasn't good enough. It's just it's just so clear that they can be more than they were together. This and I would go back to the regular season. Like together, do we feel like we found an awesome two man game yet right. from Cat and Ant? No. Do we think they will? Y- yes. Why would you not? You know, believe that 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 could grow and they could establish a greater you know chemistry and that sort of maybe that will take tweaks around the roster around them but the cat and ant duo is only going to get better and and it's just it's a together thing it's 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 the both of them yeah it's 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 really like i mean with those two at the top of the pecking order it's really like 
two separate concerts, right? That like maybe one of them goes and does a song with the other one, but it's really just kind of like first act, second act. And as we saw in this series, like, I mean, you bring it up all the time, their two-man game just being like leaving. I mean, talk about meat on the bone. That's a whole turkey. Like (laughs) just trying to figure out how do they mesh their games together more moving forward because if those two had as dynamic of a kind of pairing as each of their games are dynamic, it would be it would be special. And that, you know, that was a word Carl used all the time after after the game was special. But it's just gonna be uh it's gonna be it was a shitty night on Friday. Um I really thought there's you know they had those moments again. They outplayed them. They had the same fourth quarter follies that we've seen for I don't know what are we on now, 89 games. Um but it it'll it it opens up I mean, I think we say this every year since you and I started covering the team that this is the biggest summer in franchise history. <laughs> but um I mean this one really is, but with like a caveat that it's like not we don't have to have like a draft lottery party. Like we get to this is gonna be a really important summer. You don't even know who's at the top making the decisions all the way down the roster, but you know Finch is there, you know Ants there. Um and presumably you would think that Carl's there and those are three specific pieces. I don't know the last time they had three pieces all all aligned. Yeah. Um something I that you and I talk about a lot uh or have talked a lot about over over the years um on the pod and and off of it is you mentioned like we both started blogging back in 2016 and have <laughs> I'm thirsty, sorry. Um, you know, a thing I like to talk to you about is kind of like the the culture of the team and the culture of the fan base that that comes with that. I think both of us feel a connection uh, to to those group of people, and and have kind of like you kind of end up seeing a different side of that when when you're in the the media of it and and have a little bit more exposure to like rather than just your you know five friends that you have in your wolves group message like <laughs> you, you begin to understand that there's a lot of group messages out there and um for me that was one of my favorite parts of like the last month and a half of the season and and this playoff series is honestly kind of like a a proof of concept, right? That this is a, a a theory that I've held to be true since back then. Before that, that you know, this is a this is a fan base who who loves this stuff, right? That you know comes out for this team, uh, not just in the playoffs, but throughout the whole year, and are you know are eating this team up, you know, and and I really, it's been really cool to me to not only see that group of people come out. But also really connect to this uh, to this team, and specifically Anthony Edwards and Chris Finch. That group of people, however we want to define it, like Anthony Edwards and Chris Finch, really resonate with them. And and as somebody who enjoys watching this grow, that that's uh, I feel a part of that, and I'm I'm excited to, you know, I'm excited. To, or flattered by having the experience to be a part of that, but also just really excited to see where it goes because I knew like I knew this existed and um, yeah, it's just kind of cool like during the national anthem to like 
look around and be like, yeah, I, I was right. Like, this is a basketball city. And there's some people who like crazy love this team. That's that's cool. This is going to shock some people. But like, I don't really like compliments because they make me uncomfortable. Um, but so like if I just go on this tangent now, it'll be I said I said a couple of years ago when they drafted Ant and just getting like his personality injected into this. I, I thought Anthony Edwards, a lot of my friends said it, not me. Anthony Edwards saved my fandom. Like he's he really saved. He gave I mean it, it's it's just sometimes harder to like relate to a big guy, right? Like you don't buy Nikola Jokic's shoes. You don't really like it's hard to relate sometimes to a guy like Carl. So this kid that just is smiling all the time um became really relatable. And then you brought this coach in that just also seemed like a guy that and maybe if you're in North Loop recently, like you just ran into Finch at a bar. Like those two guys kind of epitomized this new wave of this Timberwolves rebuild or whatever, this ascension. Um, but the number one thing I'll, I'll <clears throat> the number one thing I'll remember from this season and getting to go to all the playing games, all the home playoff games, was how fucking incredible Target Center was. You were in Memphis, I know. You were in Minneapolis. You can say it better than I can, but. I was shocked tonight being, you know, a adopted son and from North Dakota, but of the Minnesota sports lure and all the tragic things that have happened to us. Um, that stadium was not filled with fear. That stadium was not filled with, you know, woe is me. It was just loud and it was passionate about basketball and there's Jake's grass t-shirts everywhere. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, I've gone, to, I've gone to sporting events before where it's a lot of people to get after, get done with work and just show up in their work attire, and that place is just all blue and green. Uh, and I think I that too. And I think that's big because they. I mean, I and again, it goes both ways, right? Like, I think some people in that organization, specifically Ant and Finch. I mean, you asked him about it after the game, right? Like Finch, like kind of like applauded the fans on his way out. He too stayed after and was just like. What did he say? He did like a Euro thing? Like he, yeah, that was cool. Um, well, one like the game was over uh, in like real time minutes, probably like five seven minutes before it actually ended. And I kind of started looking around. I'm like, oh, people aren't really leaving, you know? Right. And and what happened was, you know, they gave they gave the dudes a you know standing O as they walked off the floor, and uh, and and what Chris Finch did was. I remember actually thinking this. Uh, he walked out the floor clapping, looking up at the fans. And, and what I thought, of, I've, I've just noticed this. I feel like I've watched a lot of Denver Nuggets games this year. And Nikola Jokic does that every time uh, when, when a game ends. He like looks around to the fans and, and claps. And so then it was cool when uh, when Finch clarified that. He was asked about you know, clapping as, as he left, you know, connecting with the fan base. And he said, I coached in Europe for a long, long time, and I thought one of the coolest things about sort of the Europe basketball culture was all the players would stand on the floor after the game and clap for the fans. And uh, yeah, if that isn't like a perfect encapsulation of Chris Finch's story and and where he's from, I, I don't know what it is. And, uh, and I think that stuff matters to the fans too, that 
like an acknowledgement of their existence? Did it feel like Tom Thibodeau ever like acknowledged the existence of the fan base? Like, no. Did Sam Mitchell or whatever before? But there wasn't really a fan base back then, you know? Like, um, yeah, that that was like he would never say it, but that was like a look at what I've created or look at what what we're creating. And um and we all kind of like believe it, right? That he's that he's building something and uh, a culture in his sort of basketball image that he has experienced, and that was that was a very cool well, moment. You know, it was cool too to like you could hear people that you know there were there were national media people that came through at different times in this playoff series, whether it be you know, Kevin Arnovitz or Shams, or all this stuff. And too, and like there were other people, like other beat reporters from the Clippers. I remember there was someone from the Clippers like this is this is the loudest place I've been to all year when they're here for the playing game um, and just acknowledging the fans. And again, I'm the most biased person in this whole complex, but um, there isn't a, there isn't a fan base that deserves it more. There is not because I can wax and wane and all that shit. But like these people got to pay money every year. And a lot of times I'd have friends be like, can you believe that they asked me they're increasing my prices again and we're 20 and 62 um, and those people kept paying and paying and showing up and buying merch and they got nothing in return. Nothing. And no one deserved it this year more than them. No one deserved to not feel like they were the bottom of the barrel in the NBA, to feel like they had to be ashamed of their group chats that they had with their friends. Um, and now in turn, it's cool for us to not only be Timberwolves fans, but again, going back to the beginning, like to have expectations. You, you know, you don't just show up now being like, can you just entertain me for two and a half hours? You should show up at Target Center being like, you should win this game. You should put a product on the floor that we can be proud of because you're proud of the 19,000 people in the stands. So um, that was cool for me. That was cool. Tonight was, I know we've been getting really into the weeds about rating the sound quality of all these home games <laughs> and you've gotten some heat, but uh, no, seeing... I don't know if it was the glow sticks. I'm a sucker for glow sticks, but I, I was with you. Uh, when that national anthem, when you looked around, there was 19,000 people standing up um, and no one left before the final buzzer. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and again, it gives them hope too, because they've been through, you know, this would be my, uh, Timberwolves fans have been through far more than any player on that roster in terms of being associated with the Minnesota Timberwolves. As Chris Fitch said, he, well, I actually have the, the quote here. He said that, Fans are a fans are a part of the fabric of the team just as much as any of the players. I think the thing that's been most meaningful for me about this season is not just being proud of our guys and how they played, but how everybody in the community has come up and been very complimentary of them. That's a it's a team they like to watch play. It's a team they believe plays the right way and is exciting. I've always said even our mistakes and our failures are interesting, as proven by this series. So that makes me feel great. I think it's good to have that backing and it's good to have basketball back in a meaningful way here. But now it's our responsibility that this is just the first step of what we hope to be a long run. And it's, it's just kind of crazy that that all feels like true and accurate in real words, you know? And um, as we're wrapping up, just, just for me, uh, those people are are what make me be able to have a job and, and do this and, and and listen to this. And so um yeah. 
I hope this is connecting uh, with all of you as as it, as much as it is for for Kyle and I because um, yeah, I, I, I'm just thankful to be able to do this for a job and yeah, to kind of like you know sit in my seat and look around and acknowledge what is happening and and talk about this team all the time because it is fun. It is an exciting brand of basketball. Like the NBA is the shit. Like this is it's a the game of basketball is so cool, but it's this whole like 3D chess of roster construction and personalities and fits and all that. And um, I have a blast um, covering that every day. And I very much recognize that that's only made possible by the fact that Timberwolves fans are crazy and in the, the best sort of way. Game six Friday night is going to sting for a while because it encapsulated everything that happened in the first five games. Uh, a seven seed, seven seeds never advance. A seven seed that probably just simply outplayed the two seed for most of the series. So that's going to sting for a bit. Um, but I think once, you know, you, you get a couple sleeps in, have a couple more mimosas, and you kind of just pick your head up a little bit. I mean, Lavelle Neal, if you're listening, I'm sorry. But, like, I think you can celebrate this season. I think you can celebrate f- for one of the few times being like, I'm proud of this team. I'm proud to be a fan. Um, and now you turn your sights to new, higher expectations. Expect more out of, as we said, Payne Carl, expect more out of your team's best players. Expect more out of your team's front office. Um, I think we deserve it as fans. I think they deserve it. Uh, they've shown that they can, they're capable of. They want it, man. Yeah. They want to be held accountable. That's what Chris Finch said. Like, this is, yeah. Like, it's on them. And. Like this is this is what growing a good team in in professional sports is. The Memphis Grizzlies knocked out the Timberwolves, and we talked about all series and all season about how the comps between those two teams and the Grizzlies were a year further along. And that Memphis Grizzlies team in Jaws' third year made it a point. Whether it was that night in L.A. when Desmond Bain was talking mad shit to LeBron, or whatever, that they they wanted all the smoke, right? And smoke is, you know. Talking shit, expectations, all that stuff. And I think the Timberwolves, as we graduated from learning how to lose into learning how to win, (laughs) I think this team wants the smoke now. And it'll be a fascinating summer. um, And it sets up for what's going to be probably the most exciting season in almost two decades. And we'll be there to cover it. A lot more to come even in just the the next couple days this isn't like goodbye from us um we have exit interviews with all the players on on saturday morning uh so more quotes and stuff to come from that and the the papers and on twitter and all that and i'll i'll try and mix that all into pods i'm i'm sure i'll have brit on here in the in the next couple days to kind of this is as i'm sure you could tell this is me and kyle recording immediately after the game and not having our heads totally wrapped around. <laughs> I'm I didn't, I didn't, I didn't walk to target center today with like really considering the idea that the season, you know, might be over in four or five hours. And it is now. And that like, you know, that, that sucks in ways. I would have loved to go back to Memphis kind of, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and go to gold state, you know, be, beyond that. But, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's coming too. In, in the future. So um, again, just thank you for, for listening to this uh, throughout the whole season. We're not going anywhere. 
Um, I'm sure I'll have Kyle on the pod again here soon. He's raising a finger at me and wants to say something. No, I was just, I was, I want, I like when you go on these soliloquies at the end. I think, I think you, you tweeted this out, but I think the Wolves are back, right? Like we've talked about that all year, but I think the Wolves are back, whether it be the fans, the team, um, and I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. It's going to be, you know, I usually would get pretty excited come like early April. <laughs> like, God damn, I cannot wait for these last seven games to be done. Uh, and I'm with you. We watched the arena tonight and it was like, yeah, it's, uh, I fully expected to wake up on Sunday morning for a uh, two o'clock tip. So um, it sucks. Friday sucked. Game six sucked. The series sucked. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've never been more excited uh, to be a fan. He's Kyle Tige. Uh Obviously, follow him on Twitter at Kyle Tige. Um Follow his writing at CanisHoopus.com. The, the Canis crew over there, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you guys already will have a ton of stuff up on on Saturday morning, and then a lot more to come with uh, the exit interviews coming on Saturday. We're gonna we're gonna start getting breadcrumbs of uh, of what's you know going to be happening for this team too. And I always say I want to make the basketball uh, the main thing, and you know talking about the team, and we don't we don't talk a lot about trades and all that sort of stuff. Well, bring it on! It's it's coming because that even, is we haven't even talked about Jake Layman's future. <laughs> that's coming that's coming too uh again he's kyle thank you kyle for for doing all these um after after these playoff games it's like 1 a.m and so i i appreciate you uh making that happen and i will i will talk to you soon until then he's kyle i'm dane i'll talk to you tomorrow until then peace out Feeling better, hoping never stop, yeah Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.